Hello and welcome to the Your Gym Big Sister podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this. How are we all doing this week, my loves? I hope we're all doing well. I hope we are all guarding against the winter scaries if we are in the northern hemisphere. Um, I have to say I've definitely noticed a common theme in a lot of check-ins over the last week or two. You know, people sort of feeling the feeling the brunt of the shorter days, the darker evenings, the dreariness, the just sort of facing into winter. I think because it's not even November yet, we know we still have like three, four months left of winter. It's not fun, guys. And if you're like me, you probably are a little bit sensitive to that. Um, and I think something to just remember, um, especially because I know a lot of people have expressed maybe motivation being a little bit lower for things like the gym, training, fitness in general, is that it's completely normal to feel that way, guys. And to remember that motivation is going to dwindle. It's not going to be there all of the time. Of course, we know the common trope, discipline is more important. But I think something that's really worth remembering when you do go through a little bit of a slump is whenever you're on a fitness journey, you're not going to absolutely love it all of the time. When you are on a fitness journey, you're going to go through highs, you're going to go through lows. It doesn't mean that you're falling out of love with it. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. It just means that you're a human who is experiencing fluctuating emotions and moods and thoughts and feelings, okay? And remember that if you stop doing the things that make you feel good, i.e. moving your body, eating well, going out for walks, you are going to feel worse. So this is that time of year where you do sort of have to lean into it and try to remember that if you kind of keep ticking the boxes, you're going to keep feeling good, okay? That's my little preamble. I feel like I didn't even get into the podcast. I just started with that. But it's just something that's been on my mind. I was speaking about it on my Instagram stories yesterday because, yes, it's normal, you know. Um, It doesn't mean that you have to, like, give up fitness. It just means you have to, you know, pull yourself up with the bootstraps, remind yourself that you're a big girl. You can still show up and do the things that you need to do even when you're not feeling amazing, okay? Um, Because, again, this kind of comes back to what I was saying in last week's episode. I definitely had a few days of, I call them the winter scaries, (laughs) Um, seasonal affective disorder, um, where I just was in a massive slump. I really felt kind of shitty. I had an afternoon that I basically did nothing. Um, I just kind of cried and my boyfriend was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I have no fucking idea what's wrong with me. Um, I just feel really shitty, but I have actually gotten so much better at navigating these days for myself because, and shout out to therapy for helping me with that and my amazing therapist, um, because I can understand now that when these feelings come, it's okay. These feelings are just passing through me. They are not me emotions are not me they are things that I experience and they are things that pass everything is transient everything is temporary and I think because I can recognize that now when I do feel low I don't get me wrong it frustrates me in the moment because I like feeling good who doesn't and I like feeling productive and I like feeling like I'm showing up as the best version of me for my clients and when I don't feel as though those things are happening um I can really get in my head about it and convince myself that I'm terrible but I've gotten better at not doing that and I've gotten better at recognizing when those thoughts are coming up and just stepping back from them and being like okay I'm not going to believe these thoughts because I know that my mood is kind of low and I know that I'm likely to be more negative and be more critical and all that sort of stuff um so yeah having a really good week this week I have to say 
um, nice that that kind of passed quickly. I'm sure I'll have many more days like that this winter because that is just, again, the nature of human experience. Okay, she ebbs and she flows. But if I want to feel good, I'm going to have to feel bad sometimes. It's okay. I had an amazing weekend, which definitely helped. I went to puppy yoga and it was incredible. (laughs) It was so much fun, you guys. They were little St. Bernard poodles. Again, I've no idea how that works. I'm assuming IVFs. Like That's the only thing that makes sense in my head, but they were fucking gorgeous um when you do yoga but when you do puppy yoga you have to actually do the yoga like you have to do the yoga class and then you have like 30 40 minutes after the class to like play with the puppies more but we started the class and we were all like lying down in shavasana which is where you're just lying down and um I just had a puppy dropped on my face it was the best thing ever I was like oh my god what's going on um also side note hilarious watching two bodybuilders attempting to do yoga for the first time. Shane and I were so bad at it. We were so stiff. This yoga instructor was doing mad shit. She was literally bending over backwards and Shane and I were like, no, we can't do that. Um, so it was so, so funny. But yeah, that was such a lovely day. Um, Gan went up to Toronto, got the train. It's a double-decker train. The trains here are double-deckers. Like, oh my God, put Irish rail to shame. It was so cool. I don't know why. I got so excited. I was like, oh my God, look at the train. Um, and we just walked around the city. We got some really nice Mexican food. I have to say, guys, I'm on a Mexican food hype at the moment. I was a, an Asian food gal, but I think I overdid it. I think I had one too many shitty fried gyozas and now I just can't stomach them anymore. But Mexican food, oh my God, delicious, delicious. Um, we're actually going to Tulum in January and I can't wait to just live on tacos. It's going to be fun. But yes, that was great. We also went to the Illuminarium in Toronto, which is basically this exhibition of space. Um, That sounds really weird. Like, as in, you know, the when I say space, as in the stars. <laughs> the stars and the moon, not just like open space. But basically, it's um this like massive light display. So you go in and it's like these kind of graphics and um yeah, just like graphics of stars and planets and it's really hard to explain but it was really fun and really cool and got some nice ice cream and then we got the train home it was a really nice day and it was really nice to just switch off because I suck at doing that obviously when you are one self-employed and you're kind of feel like you're always working but two a bodybuilder um so you know being a bodybuilder I love it but it's very regimented you know like I wake up I do this I eat my meals I train I do this I you know and it was nice to just not be either of those things for a day because sometimes I forget that I'm Emma a human and not Emma a coach or Emma a bodybuilder and I need these times you know I love working and I love doing all that sort of stuff but I also it's nice to actually be like oh yeah well I work really hard so that I can enjoy my life um I enjoy working but it's nice to enjoy other things too and also I have to say since kind of switching off a little bit for the weekend I've been so much more creative I've had so much more ideas for content for things for my clients for you know building out systems for coaching you know and that's really what the next two months is about now obviously coming into November December I want to have everything incredible I'm working on I'm working on things for January not even working on like anything special but just I want to get my client education hub built up I've got other things that I'm working on and yeah that's what I'm like looking forward to over the next while and I just feel like I've got so much more ideas for that now so it's good it's the power of like switching off and guys if you're a coach listening to this 
you cannot work all the time and be good at it. I don't care what anybody says. If you are trying to work all the time, that work quality is going to go down. So don't ever be afraid to take a step back, okay? And actually just chill the fuck out. Yes. Aside from that though, training, flying, we love it. Scale weight to be shooting up, <laughs> not going to lie. Um, I think I've gained like five pounds in the last two weeks but I know that this is what happens when I go on cycle it happened the last time and I because that was the first time it happened I was like what the fuck is going on why is my weight going up so so quickly Um, and then when I came off my weight basically stayed the same for six weeks and now since I've gone back on it's going back up really quickly again but I know what to expect and it's fine I'm not saying I love it and I definitely am feeling a little bit uncomfortable but I have to do this it's fine it's part of the process if I want to be massive I can't be annoyed that I get massive <laughs> basically my legs are definitely growing and that's the most important thing hopefully my glutes grow as well um and yeah aside from that I'm just excited for next week guys because I'm going to Orlando Orlando that's um <laughs> Shane and I went to see the Book of Mormon um when we were in New York in April and he loved it <laughs> He always listens to the songs. Uh, I'm proper outing him. He's going to be like Emma. But um, he literally sings the songs all the time. Um, I think he wasn't expecting to enjoy a Broadway show as much. And so he just is obsessed. So he keeps singing the Orlando song. But yeah, I can't wait. I've got Universal booked. And then we're just going to be at the Olympia Expo. So exciting. I can't wait to come back feeling so small, so shit and so fat. <laughs> Jokes, by the way. Kind of. Well, no, not, not really. It's going to be very motivating and it's definitely going to make me realise how far I have to go as if I don't already know how far I have to go. Not that I ever think I'm going to be on the Olympia stage, guys. I'm not stupid. <laughs> don't worry. Um, anyway, aside from that, also going to WMBF Worlds. I'm going to New York in December for like a proper holiday. Um, I can't wait. My TikTok has figured out that I'm going to New York in December and so it keeps showing me all these videos of like what to do in New York in December and every time I watch them I literally feel like screaming because I'm just so excited. Like so excited and um, that's been a big bucket list of mine I know we went in April and I always wanted to go to New York but I particularly always wanted to go to New York at Christmas just because it looks magical and I'm not a big Christmas gal I honestly don't care for it but I can't wait to just be Christmassy AF in New York so that's exciting um and yeah I can't believe how fast the year is going it's gonna, I know that the next two months are gonna go by so quickly um which is insanity but anyway this week Let's get into the episode. What are we going to talk about, guys? Because this is an episode that has actually been re requested. Um, because when I did my episodes on what actually builds muscle, I mentioned I might do this episode and a few people were like, please do this. So this week, I actually want to talk about how to build an effective training program, okay? Because we all know I love training, obviously. I mean, I'd hope so since I'm a bodybuilder. But I just love talking about the kind of ins and outs of training and since this is my podcast, I can talk about it in so much more detail than I can on Instagram. Um, as we all know, I hate short form content. So this is my jam. And I basically just want to talk you through all the basics and fundamentals of how programming for building muscle actually works. So these are like the exact principles I use when I'm programming for clients and not to toot my own horn, but my girls get some damn amazing results. So I know that it works. Yes. So I'm going to split this into two episodes because if I try to do it all in one go, it's going to be fucking two hours long and nobody needs to listen to that. I'm not doing Huberman Lab length episodes or fucking Joe Rogan length episodes. I think 45 minutes to an hour is plenty of time for you to be listening to me talk. Also, side note, shout out Rachel, um, a girl 
that I was talking to on Instagram was saying she listens to me on 0.8 speed. I was like, no, 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 no. So <laughs> I sincerely hope everybody else listens to me on 1.5 speed because if I ever listen to myself on normal speed, I'm like, this bitch is speaking so slowly. Um, but anyway, that's a side note. Um, but part one, I'm going to talk about some of the theories and basics of programming, like what goes into of building an effective training program, volume, frequency, I'm going to talk through rep ranges, intensity. And then in part two, I'm going to do a deeper dive into things like actual exercise selection for the different muscle groups and wrap it up with bits like rest periods tempos and all those little other finicky bits okay because I really do think that when you become just a bit more obsessed with your training your results get so much better because you start thinking about you know how strong you can be how you can improve how you can improve your execution how you can improve your actual program itself and you can start to evaluate the programs that maybe you are doing you know if you're buying a program from somebody you can start to look at it and be like is this actually good or is this just a bit shit <laughs> no offense um and then that's going to carry over as well into like what you do outside the gym and that is my mission you know if I was to like do a zoom out on what's my mission as a coach and not even as a coach but just in life because I'm not just a coach I I want to now I don't want to be an influencer that's not what I'm saying but I want to positively influence people even if they're not being coached by me um and especially women to just fall in love with training and getting strong and how amazing it feels to push yourself in that way because I obviously grew up in the era where we fucking trained with pink dumbbells and it was like weird for females to go in the gym I want to show females that it's fucking fun to go in and push yourself and train like a mad woman and so after these episodes I'm hoping that you should be able to write your own program but of course if you do want some more ideas and insights um I do actually have a completely free booty building bible and that has some sample progr- programs in it, which I'm going to link below. And I also did recently collaborate with One More, um, so that's Josh Bridgman's brand. Um, and I wrote for them like a one-off training program. So it's a three lower, two upper program and that you can purchase that um, on the One More website. I'll link that below as well. So if you want like a starting point of how I personally would take all of these principles I'm going to talk through and apply them into a program. And you can go and have a look at those. If like actual one-to-one coaching is like just out of your price range, then you can go and have a look at those. One of them's free. One of them, I don't know how much the program is, maybe 20, 30 quid, not sure. Um, Probably should have checked that before I started talking about it. But anyway, anyway, aside from that, let's get into the episode, okay? But before I do, of course, as always, guys, please don't forget to rate, review, follow the podcast, share it on your stories, share it on your socials, share it with a friend. If you're sharing it, please tag me at emma.curvin so that I can thank you personally and give you a big cuddle. Um, I probably won't do that. Okay, that was weird. Okay, let's get into it. So firstly, if you haven't already listened to my podcast episodes on what actually builds muscle, episodes 26 and 27, go back and, oh, sorry, I just hit the microphone. So I'm sorry if you heard that. Um, Me just boxing the head off the microphone. (laughs) Um, Anyway, go back and listen to them. But I'm going to talk you through how to set up an actual program and what boxes you need to tick to set up an effective training program for you and your goals. And I'm going to be talking about them in sort of order of importance. So this is all very inspired by Dr. Eric Helms from he works with 3D Muscle Journey. He is like the goat. Okay, Um, we love Eric. He wrote the muscle and strength pyramids which is basically these kind of concepts of like what are the most important things for training starting at the base of the pyramid working their way up and he also has them for nutrition so again I'm not claiming that any of this is an original way of thinking about it 
but I think this is how most good coaches think about their programming. I would hope this is how most good, good, good coaches think about their programming. So, you know, obviously when it comes to fitness, there's no such thing as any new information. We're all just rehashing information from each other. So again, none of this is like original, but it's to help you. So something really important to remember when it comes to building muscle, a lot of stuff works. There is no one best way to do it. There's so many different splits you can do. There's so many different styles of training you can do. There's so many exercises you can do. There is so many ways to do it. It just needs to tick a few boxes and it's probably going to allow you to make gains. But the most important thing, regardless of your training program, is that you just get in and you get the fuck after it. There is no point agonizing over if the volume is right or the exercises are working the muscles in the right ranges or if you're you know using the correct setup on machines or if the frequency is right or any of that if you're lifting like a weak bitch nothing's gonna happen so strong bitch vibes only here okay you could take a very mediocre program and do it with enough intensity and you will get good results but you could take the best program on paper do it with shit ass intensity and you will get shit ass results. So please remember that. Please remember that. Because I've been in this position where I just became so overwhelmed by everything when it came to training and I was trying to do it all, you know, and I was trying to write the perfect program and I couldn't figure out how to set the volume or should I do escalating volume or what rep ranges I should do, what exercises I should do. And I spent so much time thinking about all those things and not enough time thinking about, am I actually training hard and training properly? So that's the first thing we always need to make sure we have there, okay? That you're training hard and you're training with high intensity. But if we want to go from good enough results to fucking great results, then we can start to think more about the intricacies of your programming and making sure we're covering all of the basics. So the first thing we need to consider when it comes to what makes a good program is, is it actually sustainable? So if you can only follow your program for a few weeks and then you either get sick of it um, or um, it bothers you completely or you end up injuring yourself, then it's not very good, is it? No. So it needs to be safe, it needs to be enjoyable and you need to be able to adhere to it. It's similar to diet and nutrition in that way. There's loads of diets that are going to help you lose fat if they create a deficit, but you have to find the way of dieting that you enjoy and you stick to in the long run. Training is similar. Lots of programs will help you grow, but you need to stick to it for a long time to yield progress because gals, as we know, building muscle takes a long fucking time. You're not going to run a program for four weeks and have built an, an appreciable amount of muscle mass. It don't work that way. You need to be able to stick to this for months, okay? So you need to find a way of training that you enjoy. Now, if you're one of these people who's like, I just get bored after a few weeks, then you need to cop the fuck on and understand that, yes, to a degree, it is kind of boring. Building muscle is quite boring. You have to do the same thing pretty much every single day for months on end. That's just how it is. And if you are someone who's just seeking novelty, then you need to accept the trade-off that your results are probably going to be a little bit worse. Sorry sorry um I hate to be the bearer of bad news but that is just 
unfortunately how it is. So what is actually going to ensure that your program is sustainable? So the first thing is it's safe. It has to be safe. If you get injured a weekend or you're aggravating loads of injuries, you know, say you have um, something that you've always, maybe you got injured playing a sport when you were younger and it means that certain exercises aggravate that and then your program only has all those exercises. That's not very safe. You know, it's not sustainable. You're not going to last very long. So what actually goes into making the uh, program safe and ensuring that when you're executing the program that it is safe. So the first thing is just that you use good form again and that's down to you, you know, Two people can do the same program and one can do it terribly and, you know, ego lift, rush their weights, you know, use momentum, shitty range of motion, don't control the load. And then that's going to mean that they're not using good form and that's going to mean that it's potentially not very safe. Also making sure that you're using the right weight and the right loads. Again, you don't want to be training too heavy. You don't want to be training too light. A lot of that is going to be trial and error. And I'm going to talk about rep ranges and intensities as well um, later on. Also just making sure that you're able to recover. Um, so your program should have, you know, remember rest days, for example. Um, if you're new to training, you probably don't want to be going in and training five, six days a week. You will be battered. You know, you might do better with three days, four days, you know. Um, and then obviously all the other bits and pieces of recovery go into this as well. You know, your nutrition, your sleep, all that. I'm not going to go too into recovery because I do have an episode on that. That's episode 27, I want to say. But that's going to kind of be important for safety, you know, um, basically don't train like a fucking idiot, <laughs> you know, and that's not necessarily the program itself. That's how you're doing it. But again, if, you know, if someone comes to me and they have issues with, say, their rotator cuff, I'm probably, well, I was about to say, I'm probably not going to have them pressing overhead, but that's not true at all. Again, if someone has a specific injury and then there's a specific lift that's going to really aggravate it, it wouldn't make much sense for me to put that lift on the program. It would make more sense for me to try and train the muscles using potentially different ranges of motion, exercises, etc. Okay, another important piece of making a program sustainable is enjoyment. Okay, again, you have to be able to adhere to it. So what makes a program enjoyable for one person is not going to be the same for another person. Again, you know, some people love training like fucking animals some people love absolutely running themselves into the ground pushing themselves super hard they might love like lots of intensifiers and rest pauses and low low rep sets you know they might like that feeling and some people don't love that and so again those two people they're probably going to need slightly different programs another thing is just efficiency and time management again like if you're someone who's really busy and you only have an hour to train it probably doesn't make sense for you to have like eight, nine exercises in a program and all straight sets, you know, it might make sense to have more supersets or drop sets or rest pauses, things to speed up the, the efficiency of the program, you know, and then again, some people like things to be a bit more varied, flexible, some people like things to be a bit more consistent, you know, for, for me, my personal philosophy and my personal preference would be keep your program as consistent as possible for as long as you possibly can and keep progressing that, but you might have maybe some more flexibility in things like certain isolations, you know, maybe your arm, your, your bicep movements, your tricep movements, maybe some of your delt movements, your lateral raises. But in my opinion, the bulk of the work of your program and especially like your main compound movements, the big skill based movements, you know, your barbell back squats, your hack squats, your deadlifts, your whatever, your kind of big shoulder presses, chest presses. I do think you should try and keep those the same for as long as you possibly can you know, because again, lifting is a skill 
And what do we do with skills? We practice them again and again in order to get better at them and more efficient at them. The more efficient we are at the lifts that we're doing, the more likely we are to drive specific tension to the muscles. So if you're always changing up your workouts, you are probably not going to be getting the most out of your training, you know. And again, I've spoken about this many, many times. Stay consistent with your program for as long as you can. But if you are someone who does like a bit of flexibility, maybe building that in in your isolation movements just to keep things a little bit more fun could be something that you do. Um, again, like I said, intense fires can make it a bit more fun. And we also have to just remember the kind of piece of optimal versus practical. And I kind of hate the word optimal because everybody uses it now. Um, oh my God, like this is the optimal way to train. This is the optimal way to eat. Like fuck that. Optimal only, optimal is individual. So what's optimal for one person is not going to be optimal for another person. The best program on paper isn't going to do shit if it doesn't suit you and your lifestyle. You know, if you can only train four days a week, but the best program is five days a week, then the best program for you is not five days a week. Because if you're always missing that one or you're stressed about trying to get it in or you can't recover from it, it's not the best program for you. So again, um, it has to be practical. It has to make sense for you and your life. You know, if the optimal way to train is doing like 20 sets for a body part, but you actually don't have time to do that, then it's probably not going to be optimal for you, you know? Um, And so this is where we have to remember programming is individual. Yes, there's all of these core fundamentals that we can have that are similar from person to person, but then you tweak it and you refine it and you make it better for you. It also needs to be a program that you can progress over time and that prioritizes your goals. So again, when we look at progressive overload, progressive overload is what's going to ensure that we continue driving more and more mechanical tension and challenge to the muscle so that we continue adapting to that, growing and getting stronger. If we just go in and do the same thing every single week, we're not going to grow. We're not going to challenge ourselves. It has to be continually harder. And progressive overload is the vehicle that we use in order to drive that continuous progressive mechanical tension to the muscle and again we can progressively overload in a number of ways we can add more weight to the bar we can add more reps we can even do another set we can improve improve the form you know if you do um a set with one weight or you do a set with a specific weight but you're doing a lot of half reps and then the next time you do it you improve your form you control the load better you do full range of motion reps that's more tension on the muscle even if it's the same load okay so remember that refining your technique is progression you can also rest less you can slow down the tempo again that's more time under tension and you know this is again probably the most important thing we need to be covering when it comes to ensuring you're getting the most out of your program you have to be continually pushing yourself to make your training harder and keep driving that stimulus to tell your muscles hey buddy you need to grow We also need to make sure we're prioritizing your goals. Again, if someone comes to me and they're like, hey, Emma, I want to grow my legs. And then I give them one leg day a week. It's like, it's probably not the best way for growing your legs. Again, say if someone comes to me and says, I really want to get stronger at my barbell back squat, probably going to have them squatting twice a week. You know, it would be stupid if I was like, okay, do two sets on the hack squat and that's your that's your squatting volume you know um and then if you have priority body parts or lifts you probably want to be putting them you know earlier on in the session or earlier on in the week now as an aside if you are earlier in your lifting career i.e you've been training for maybe like less than three years and you're just training for like overall aesthetics you probably just need more muscle 
everywhere. And I definitely made this mistake when I was younger. I was like, oh, but I just want bigger legs. And so I would train like glutes and legs three days a week with pretty shitty intensity and not the best form. And they didn't really grow that much. And then when I started growing or when I started training them twice a week, they grow, they grew way more because I was training with better intensity and better recovery, you know? Um, you probably have less muscle than you think is always just like something to keep in mind. So if you are, you know, earlier on in your lifting career, don't be afraid to just aim to grow muscle everywhere. Now, obviously, if you are someone who's maybe working towards a specific category in bodybuilding, maybe you're working towards wellness or bikini or even figure, that's when your training needs to be much more specific to you. So if you're, you know, training for bodybuilding specifically, yes, there is going to be little differences there. But if you are more just training for overall health, fitness, vitality, well-being, then probably making sure that you are kind of just training every body part pretty evenly would be what I would usually recommend. So these are just some of the big rocks or like overarching principles that we need to keep in mind when we're programming. So now let's actually get into specifically designing your program, like taking these principles and going, okay, so now how do we make things fit. So the first thing that you need to ask yourself always before you start trying to write programs, pick exercises, pick volume is how many days a week can you actually train? This is the foundation um, on which all the rest of our decisions are going to be made. So you have to be honest with yourself and be specific. Like, can you only do three days? Can you do four days? Can you do five days? Genuinely, I think five days is the max you should be doing. If you train hard enough, you should need a minimum of two rest days. Like no offense. It's not a fucking flex to say that you train every day at all because that that just tells me that you are not training anywhere near hard enough like by day by the time I've trained three days in a row I am fucked fucked I need a rest day if I was trying to go in and do a fourth day like sometimes I have to do it if schedule you know dictates and oh my god that fourth day I'm like I am going to die now it's really hard so yes you should not be able to train every day I think five days is plenty Four is also really, really good. And honestly, if you can only do three, then three is fine. You know, again, it's what you can do and what you can commit to. There's no point in saying I can do five days and then every week you're missing the fifth day. You'll be better off to just say you're doing four and then design your program to accommodate for those four days. So then we can start looking at the volume and the frequency. And this is how many sets we do a week and how many times in a week we're going to hit a muscle group. So sometimes you might hear people say that volume is the main driver of muscle hypertrophy. I don't necessarily think that's correct because you can do a lot of work, you know, you can do a lot of sets, but if it's shit work, low effort, it's not going to make you grow. And really it's mechanical tension that's needed to stimulate muscle growth and specifically driving mechanical tension to a muscle close to the point of momentary muscular failure. Write that down. <laughs> what is volume though? So you're like, okay, but what is volume? So in the research, it's sometimes defined as the total work. So this would be like sets times reps times load. And then you can increase the volume by increasing any of these three. So for example, if you were to take, um, do 10 reps for 10 sets at 100 kilos for uh, whatever lift, that would be a volume load of 1,000. Now that's in the research, but practically when we're talking about writing programs, I don't tend to use that as a metric. I just say the total number of working sets. So this is like the hard, tough sets close to failure, not including your warm-up sets, not including your feeder sets. You know, if I'm just doing three or four reps of the weight on when I'm warming up, that's not a working set. It's a set that re it's a set that when you finish it, you're like, Jesus fuck, that was hard. You know, it's the one that you're aiming to progress. So 
how this is how most define it when they're programming and it's how I define it so sets that you take close to or all the way to failure and really the effective reps in those sets that's what the volume is now again that's maybe getting a bit too convoluted so I would just say the hard sets the number of hard sets you are doing per week per body part okay we can start to break that down then into like how many sets per body part per week do we want and do we need so there is a dose response curve which basically just means when you do a bit of volume you get a bit of growth and when you do more volume you get more growth more growth more growth but it's an inverted u and so what that means is low volume not a lot of growth you do more volume you get more growth okay but then if you do even more volume you get less growth okay so it goes up 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 and then down so volume versus hypertrophy you know they are correlated but then once you do too much volume you do too much work you don't grow as much and this is because recovery then gets impeded okay you cannot recover from 40 sets a week and as we know recovery is important that's what's that's what's happening when we when we grow in order for us to actually grow we have to recover okay so how many sets do we do do we need it's very individual it depends on your goals and it depends on someone's recovery capacity as well I know some people who can recover from loads of volume and some people who can't but there's two volume landmarks that we can start to look at so I'm going to take this. This is Dr. Mike Isertel. Again, this is not my idea. This is his. He works with Renaissance periodization. He's a very famous man. He's great. So he has coined what we call the minimum effective volume and the maximum effective volume or the maximum recoverable recoverable volume. Sorry. So MEV, minimum effective volume. This is the least amount of sets you need to do to get some results. So this is probably where we want to start our training. And then we have the max recoverable volume. This is the most amount you can do while still recovering. And this is where, you know, the kind of elite bodybuilders would probably be. And you can work your way up here as well. So in general, around 10 to 20 sets per body part per week would be the sort of minimum effective volume all the way up to the max recoverable, recoverable volume. So for most body parts, we want to do about 10 to 20 sets a week. That's a very big range. Okay, that's a big range. Because think about it, for every body part, you know, that's like the, the difference between doing like 100 sets a week total and like 200 sets. It's a lot. So as with anything, we want to start with the minimum effective dose. So the same way you wouldn't start a diet on a thousand calories on an hour of cardio because it gives you no runway to progress. You probably don't want to start your program with 20 sets for every single body part because it's not going to give you a lot of room to progress and you might end up running yourself into the ground. We always want to try and get the most from the least, the most results from the least amount of work. So again, some people can recover really well for example, females, we tend to be able to recover from higher volumes because we are, in fact, the better sex. Jokes, because we have more estrogen. Estrogen drives a lot of recovery and just also kind of other hormonal indicators, but we tend to be able to do a little bit more work. And again, we, we can kind of look then at like your primary muscle groups. So that would be like your chest, your back, your quads, your glutes, your hamstrings, and then your secondary muscle groups. So secondary muscle groups would be like your triceps, your biceps, your rear delts, your side delts. These are the muscles that actually get worked when you are training the primary muscle groups. So for example, if I'm doing 
uh, a lat pull down, my biceps are kind of working to a degree. Now the primary mover is the lat, but my bicep is also contracting. Same if I'm doing um, some sort of a press, the primary mover is the chest or the shoulder, the, the delt, but my triceps might be moving to a degree, you know? And so we want to say like, okay, for all these body parts, we can sort of look at 10 to 20 sets for the primary muscle groups. And then maybe for your secondary muscle groups, your more isolation movements, you could maybe look at an extra four to five sets on top of the primary volume. Okay. So say start with 10 or I would even say eight for some movements. How do we know that the volume that you have set for yourself is okay? Very simple. Are you getting stronger and are you growing? If yes, then it's probably fine. If no, what you can either do is add sets or take away. And this is where you have to just write a program, try it and see what happens. Again, this is the whole basis of fitness. Fuck around and find out, okay? Um, my personal take when it comes to training volume, I like to just keep training volume kind of static. So once I've picked the number of sets, keep the number of sets the same and progressively overload by adding reps and load. That's how I tend to do it. Is that the only way that you can do it? No, of course not. You can also progressively overload by adding sets. Um, now, sometimes I will auto on an auto-regulated basis, I might add a set to a certain lift. For example, what I basically mean is if I feel really fucking good and I've done my top set on my leg press and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I can go for another one. I'll go for another one. Now, I didn't always do that. Um, I have learned my own body and my own recovery capacity a little bit more. And so now I feel much better equipped to make those decisions when I'm in the gym. I am also also in a building phase, taking anabolics, all that sort of stuff. So again, my recovery parameters are much higher than they would have been before. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. But that is something that I will do sometimes, um, depending on the movement. You know, I probably won't do an extra set of like a Romanian deadlift because it's very neurologically demanding because it's a lengthened bias exercise. It's going to drive a lot of muscle damage. If I do another set, it might really ruin my hamstrings. But for something like a hip thrust, which is like a short and range movement, I can get away with doing an extra set. So again, these are just like little finicky things that you learn about yourself and your body as you go along. But... We also then want to think about, okay, there's this question of should you do high volume or should you do low volume? <laughs> this is like the ever never ending argument and both work, both work, okay? Volume and intensity will usually have to scale in opposition to one another. What I mean by that is it's hard to do a very high number of sets with them all being completely to failure you probably won't recover from that and you probably won't progress those sets very well. So if you want to do high volume, you might have to train with a few reps in the tank. That's fine. But you can also train low volume, high intensity style. So that would be say like one to two sets per exercise to complete failure. Now, which should you do? Which is better? It depends. Psychological preference is a real thing. Some people are just a bit sadistic and like the pain of training this way. Now that sounds real hardcore, like, oh my God, I just love putting myself in the ground. It's not that, but I like, I love it. I love going into a set and being like, I am going to absolutely annihilate myself here. But some people don't like that. They just, they don't like the pain. It's fucking sore. It's painful. It's very like psychologically taxing to be like, oh my God, I'm going to do this. And I might end up crushed by the leg press. And some people don't like that. And again, you don't have to. You can train, you can just do three sets, four sets and leave a rep or two in the tank and you'll probably still grow, okay? You have to find out what works for you. 
I love low volume, but not like most of my clients are not doing that sort of a setup. I will usually start them on like three sets of an exercise to make sure we're going to be accruing enough effective reps, you know, stimulus. And then when I watch their training videos, if I can see that they are taking their set all the way there, I might start pulling the volume down so that we can let them progress further. But I think if you're just getting into training, probably airing on the slightly higher side of volume and leaving a rep or two in the tank is probably going to be better for you. And as you learn to push to failure, as you learn to train all the way to failure, then you can start playing around with taking down the volume. I trained high volume for years and I will say I saw the biggest changes in my physique when I switched to low volume, but I'm not saying that's the only factor that caused that. You know, I was also just more consistent, more time training, more experience. I had a better coach. There was a lot that goes into it. So like, again, you have to find what works for you, what you're going to enjoy and what you're going to be able to stick to. But basically, um, you know, then we can revisit frequency. So we have the volume. So you might say, okay, I'm going to do 10 sets per body power per week. Now I need to pick a frequency. So how many sets are we going to do? Um, Basically, sorry, let me start that again. Sometimes I get so lost in my words. Once you know how many sets you want to do each week, you probably don't want to do them all for the same body part in a single session. So you probably don't want to do all 20 sets or all 10 sets for back in one session. You know, in general, from the research, we know that training a muscle group two times a week is probably going to be better than one time a week to hit a body part when the volume is matched. So why is this why does this matter so the first thing is it's just an extra spike in muscle protein synthesis and you are going to be more sensitized to you know uptaking amino acids into the muscle so muscle protein synthesis for a specific muscle is usually going to be elevated for around 48 hours post training so if you only hit it once a week then that leaves quite a lot of time until you next hit it and it leaves quite a lot of time without actually growing and having that muscle protein synthesis elevated so it might make sense to train it at least twice a week it's also easier to fit the volume in when you've spread it across two sessions. Again, practically, it makes sense. If you are doing 20 sets for a muscle group, the 10th, 10th to 20th set in that session, they're probably not going to be very good. You're probably not going to be able to bring as much intensity to them and as much focus. So not that they're wasted sets, but it could be kind of junk, junk volume. So it might make more sense to go, okay, I'm going to do 10 one day and 10 the other day. And I'll be able to give those 10 much more effort, intention and focus and be able to progress them. So basically, walking that all back, good starting point, eight to 20 sets a week, spread that across two times a week. Uh, obviously, that's a huge range and you're just gonna have to figure this one out for yourself, okay? Start low, start at the lower end, maybe start with eight to 10 sets and add as the weeks go on if you feel that you can and ask yourself, do you feel like you're getting a good pump in the gym? Are you a little bit sore yet afterwards? Yes, then that's probably fine. You're probably doing enough. If you're crippled and you literally can't walk and you can't recover, then it's probably too much. Something that I also just forgot to say there is different body parts will have different recovery capabilities. So for example, I know like my quads can handle quite a lot of volume. My hamstrings can't really handle quite as much. Like I will get very sore in my hamstrings very quickly. You know, again, like my lats, I can handle quite a lot, but things like my, my, uh, my pecs, can't really recover from as much volume and there's loads of different reasons for that um you know again I've always had bigger quads um I did a lot of horse riding growing up so they're probably just used to being stimulated a little bit more um same with like my back I did a lot of because I was you know into horse riding there's a lot of pulling there whereas I wasn't doing a lot of pushing so again like all of these things can con contribute to like how you recover from training which is always really interesting but 
just to give you some ideas of like practically what this could look like, um, say you're training three days a week. You could do three full body sessions, spreading your volume evenly across all those. You could do an upper lower full body. So again, hitting everything twice a week. If you were doing four days, I love good old upper lower, upper lower. Honestly, I think it's the best way to train because again, you're going to be hitting every muscle group twice a week. If you were doing five days a week, you could maybe do three lower, two upper, or you could do, do two lower, three upper, or you could do push, pull legs, upper, lower. Depends on your goals and what you want to grow. If you were doing six days a week, you could probably do push, pull legs, push, pull legs. But in my opinion, five is probably plenty. Okay, so there's some ideas there of like how you could split this up and how to go about setting the volume for the different um, body parts. And remember, start with the primary muscle group. So like chest, back, um, shoulders, quads, hamstrings, glutes, and then all the other kind of secondary volume or the secondary body parts so like your biceps your triceps your rear delts you can probably add those in maybe like an extra four to five sets a week okay so now we want to talk about rep ranges and intensity so we know how many sets we're doing we know how often we're training we can start to look at what rep rep ranges and intensities we should use and what actual exercises we can do although i'm going to leave exercise selection until the next one so let's start with rep ranges and intensity so load or intensity is basically just how heavy is the weight or how close you are to failure now what am I about to say next? Probably won't shock you. Your training needs to be hard and close to failure. Do I need to explain why? Please don't make me. Please don't make me. Oh, I'm going to. Basically, don't just train like a wet wipe. Actually go into the gym and fucking get after it. Just You need to master this. You have to be accruing effective reps and those are the ones that are close to failure i've covered learning how to train a failure so many times i'm not going through it again we are strong bitches around here okay thank you go get after it yes but then we need to know we need to train hard but like should we train with high reps or should we train with low reps so um dr brad schoenfeld who is um a very prominent researcher in kind of muscle hypertrophy he has um he's collaborated on so many studies but there was two studies he done in 2000 he did oh my god he done i'm so embarrassed the grammar police um but he did two studies in 2014 and 2015 looking at this so um in one of them he basically they basically took groups of um participants got them to do sets of three sets of eight to twelve or sets of 25 to 35 so low moderate and high reps and they found that the hypertrophy outcomes were similar i.e they grew similar amount of muscle if um across all rep ranges if the effort intensity and volume was matched okay now all sets were taken to failure um in this study again if you left like one to three reps in the tank probably will get the same outcomes um there was differences in strength adaptations so the lower rep groups saw greater increases in strength but similar increases in hypertrophy across every single group okay so you might have heard before that eight to twelve sets of 8 to 12 is like best for hypertrophies or should I always do three sets of 10 or four sets of 15 but from this study we can see that actually it doesn't really matter how many reps you do there is so many different rep schemes you can do there you could do like reverse pyramids or wave loading or fixed reps or different rep ranges and here is the most important thing you need to remember it doesn't matter how many reps you do what matters is how accurate and close to failure those reps are now, we have to be realistic as well. So practical. Doing all sets of 20 to 30 is probably going to get really fucking hard. Same with doing all sets of three, you know. 
doing sets of 20, you're probably going to gas out pretty quickly. Doing all sets of three, you're going to be battered very quickly as well. It just doesn't make sense for certain exercises. Like I'm not going to do a triple on a lateral raise. I'm not going to get anything from that. So is eight to 12 magical? No, but it is very practical. Again, hard to do it all low rep, hard to do it all high rep. And in my opinion, staying anywhere between like six to 15 for around 75% of your training, you know, two thirds of your training is probably a really good show when you're trying to build muscle. Again, high reps, like really high reps, you're going to get a lot of fatigue built up and aerobic limitations. Basically, you're not going to be fit enough to keep going, even if the muscle could keep going. Um, And very low reps, you could be potentially leading yourself to some injury risk. So in in these studies, the groups that were doing the three reps had a lot of dropouts. So it just kind of shows that they were maybe getting um, niggles. It's also very like neurologically and cognitively demanding. Like if I know I have a set of six to do on a hack squat, it takes a lot out of me, you know, Um, just like beforehand, I'm like, okay, for fuck's sake, because you know from rep one, it's going to fucking hurt. Also, you would have to do a lot of sets if you're doing very low reps, like a lot of sets, and that will get very tiring as well. So higher reps can be good for like training endurance um, and building up your work pa- work capacity. They might also um, aid muscle hypertrophy by accruing a lot of metabolic stress. So we know the primary driver of muscle growth is mechanical tension, but it's also posited that um, metabolic stress or the buildup of metabolites, which is basically just things like lactate ions, hydrogen ions, the the burn, so to say, can also contribute to um, muscle hypertrophy potentially. The research is like a bit murky on that one. It is really mechanical tension. Now, metabolic stress might play a role. So we might as well do some sets that are going to capitalize on that. So including some high rep stuff, It's a good idea. Again, it's exercise dependent. Like lateral raises, I'm not going to do a set of five. Like I'm not going to get any out of that. You know, I need to do like 10 to 15 at least. Whereas a set of 20 on deadlift would, would genuinely put me in the ground and I would die. Like I would literally fall into a hole in the ground and I would never get back up. Like it would kill me. So again, you have to like be, be sensible here. But personally, I love high reps on legs. You know, for example, they like I will do sets of 20 on leg extensions sets of 20 on leg press on hack squat on Bulgarian split squats now do I absolutely fucking hate them when I'm doing them yes do I feel like I'm going to get sick after doing them yes but I do just feel like they stimulate a lot of growth for me like a lot so again exercise dependent body part dependent and personal preference you know some people do just genuinely like training with higher reps and if you can take those sets close to failure fucking have at it you know that is absolutely fine so I think a good starting point is safer compound movements maybe doing sets of 6 to 10 and then maybe a few sets of 11 to 15 or even 15 to 20 25 for um, some of your more isolation movements and this is where the conversation of like top sets and back offsets comes in. So you might have heard of this before, very much coined by JP. Um, and this is kind of how I train. And even if I'm setting people like three sets per an exercise, I'm never giving them like three sets of 10. It's always like two sets of eight to 10 and maybe one set of 11 to 15. Okay. And so what does this mean? The top set, which is the lower rep set would be your heavier set, a heavier loading set. Okay. So you'd pick a heavier weight, go for like a set of eight to 10. 
And then after you do that, you'll do your back offset, which is basically a slightly lighter weight. So you'll lower the weight slightly and go for higher reps. And the benefit of doing the lighter set afterwards is that you're just a bit more neurologically primed. So you might be able to lift that weight for more reps versus if you had just done it fresh because your body is used to it. Now, what's the rationale behind training the same movement across different rep ranges or training across different rep ranges in general? Again, We know we can build muscle in all rep ranges, provided those sets are taken close to failure. So why not get strong and progress across all of those rep ranges? Get strong at your 6 to 10s, get strong at your 11 to 15s, get strong at your 15 to 20s, get strong at all of them. Because it doesn't matter how many reps you do, what matters is how close those reps are to failure. Okay, now there is some rationale for stimulating specific muscle fiber types with different rep ranges so we have slow twitch muscle fibers and fast twitch muscle fibers and there is some evidence now again this is not mad concrete but some evidence that our slower twitch muscle fibers respond better to higher reps and will grow better from higher reps and that fast twitch muscle fibers will respond better to lower reps now your muscles are made up of both types and So if you know you have both types of those muscle fibers in your muscle, why not do things that are going to help to grow both of those preferentially to ensure that you're getting the maximum amount of growth possible? Again, how concrete and how certain are we about this? Not really. It's not the most robust evidence, but it could be true. And, you know, we may as well work for it. And, you know, you're probably not going to do anything negative from doing this. So basically, if you're doing like three sets of 10, stop. That's boring also and I prefer rep ranges because then you can progress across the rep range and then add load so for example say I had like a set of eight to ten and in the first week I pick 100 kilos and I do a set of nine the next week I'm going to stick with 100 kilos and I'm going to go for a set of 10 and I might get 11 I might get 12 okay and then the next week I'll increase the weight another really important thing to remember is if you are training and you're in the gym and your program says do a set of eight to ten and you pick a weight and you get to 10, but you still have more reps in you, keep fucking going. Do not stop just because the program says 10. It's nothing special about the number of reps you're doing. It's how close those reps are to failure. So use rep ranges and like look at rep ranges as being a guide to help you select the load, but not being the the target, okay? It's not that you need to do a set of 10. It's that you need to pick a weight that is going to have you fail close to there. That's what the rep ranges mean. Okay, so this is how we can start deciding what rep ranges we're going to kind of train in. Okay, Um, and that's kind of it in terms of how to set those rep ranges. So you've got your volume, you've got your frequency, what rep ranges are you going to train in? Remember, we want to be training as close to failure as we can. Again, if you're doing more volume, you might leave a rep or two in the tank. If you're doing less volume, you're going to go all the way to failure. That's going to depend on the exercise as well. Probably don't want to go all the way to failure on a barbell back squat because you might hurt yourself. Again, can you go all the way to failure on a lateral raise? Yeah, probably because you know you're going to recover well from that. So again, these are this and this is where the nitty gritty of like getting into programming comes. So I'm going to save everything else for part two because we've already been here for 53 minutes. And if I keep going, we will be here for two hours. And like I said, nobody needs to listen to that. So I hope that has been somewhat helpful and given you a bit more of an insight into how to actually build an effective training program. Now, that's the bare bones. Obviously, next thing we need to kind of start figuring out is like, okay, but what exercises are we doing? And don't worry, 
that's what the next episode is going to be all about um because again you could have the perfect volume perfect rep range is perfect intensity frequency but if you do all the same movement patterns for a specific muscle you're not going to grow as well as if you are doing the different movement patterns and again i'm going to get into all that in the next one so as always if you did enjoy this please do let me know by rating the podcast, reviewing it, sharing it on your socials, tag me at emma.curvind. If you have a question that you would like to ask for the Q&A segment of the podcast, you can link that. Um, I will have a link down below for a type form where you can submit that anonymously or you can message me on Instagram or you can leave it as a question on the episode if you're on Spotify. Um, aside from that, coaching spaces, if you are wanting to make the most of the rest of the year, my team is growing. We love to see it. Lots of girlies coming on board to get wham this winter. Incredible. So if you are ready to join that train, join the hype, you can get onto me at the link below. We can have a chat. And aside from that, I hope you just have an amazing rest of your day. I hope you go and lift some heavy things. I hope you go and make some mad gains and I hope you go and just be the best version of yourself. Okay. So I will catch up with you in the next one. Uh, thank you so much for listening and I will chat to you soon. Goodbye.